Hello and welcome to the OT Schoolhouse podcast, your source for school-based occupational therapy tips, interviews, and professional development. Now, to get the conversation started, here is your host, Jason Davies. Class is officially in session. Hello, OT practitioners. Welcome to the OT Schoolhouse podcast, and even more so, Welcome to OT Month. We are officially in April, and this is the time that we get to celebrate ourselves and also promote ourselves a little bit within April as Occupational Therapy Month kicks off. We are doing a very special series here at the OT Schoolhouse podcast where we are going to be releasing one episode every single week in this month of April 2022, and we are talking about the ABCs of school-based OT. You might already be seen on Instagram, on Twitter, the ABCs of OT trending hashtag. And yeah, that was actually started by an occupational therapist by the name of Shannon Marie, and she started the ABCs of OT. You can search for it using the hashtag ABCs of OT, but we're going a little step further here. We are doing the ABCs of school-based OT. As you know, everything we do on this podcast directly relates to school-based occupational therapy practitioners. And so we are going to do the ABCs of school-based OT. So what does that look like? That means that for the next four weeks, I'm going to be releasing a new episode for you each Monday, and we're going to go over six or seven letters in a row, starting with A through F this week, and then we'll dive into the rest of the alphabet over the next few weeks. So I hope you're excited for this. I'm going to dive into A, B, C, D, E, and F today, and then we'll kick it off with G next week. Also, another super exciting thing that is going on this month, this April of 2022, is that you can officially now register for the 2022 Back to School Conference that we hold in August. I know school isn't even over yet, but I'm already thinking about Back to School in August. That is our annual kickoff event of the school year. It's called the Back to School Conference this year. The theme for the Back to School Conference is going to be all about collaboration. So all of our six speakers, including myself, we are going to be talking about topics that will help you collaborate with other professionals on campus to support those people that you work with, including the students, the teachers, administrators, potentially even some parents as well. So I really do hope to see you at the 2022 Back to School Conference in August. It is a live online event, but you can also watch the replays if you're unable to join us live. You can learn more about the Back to School Conference at otschoolhouse.com forward slash conference. I hope to see you there. All right, so let's go ahead and kick things off. We're celebrating OT month. I hope you already printed out your handouts from a few episodes ago and have them sitting in the teacher's lounge right now. Or maybe you even posted it on a door and grabbed some donuts for the teachers. If you did that, kudos to you. I'm sure you are the new teacher favorite at your school site. Go ahead and keep it up and also give yourself a pat on the back. You're awesome. All right, well, let's go ahead and dive into our ABCs of school-based OT, starting, of course, with letter A. And, you know, sometimes you just can't pick one word that goes with the letter, and that's the case here. So we're going to start off with two words for the letter A. And in this very first episode where we are talking about the ABCs of school-based OT, I'm using the letter A to describe two amazing people that I would love to celebrate, and that is administrators and occupational therapy assistants. Yes, occupational therapy assistants, not occupational therapist assistants. 
OTAs are an assistant to the occupational therapy itself, not a assistant to the occupational therapist. We obviously do not run around asking OTAs to grab us coffee or anything like that. If anything, it should be the other way around. We should be grabbing them coffee for all the help that they provide with doing a lot of the treatment that we may not be able to do because we are busy doing evaluations and IEPs. And honestly, as some of my favorite OTAs have said, the things that they don't want to do anyways, you know, they want to be with the kids. And I mean, so do we. But oftentimes we have to to do those things that sometimes we don't always want to do. We'd rather be with the kids, but we have to deal with the IEPs and the evaluation write-ups, the synthesizing of evaluation reports and whatnot. So with that, administrators. I want to go back to that really quickly and start there, and I'll come back to OTAs. Administrators are really the people that we need to get to know really well within the schools. They are the people, even if they're not our direct supervisor, They have kind of the gate and key and the lock to a lot of the funding and a lot of the options that we have as occupational therapy providers. They're the people that can give us the go-ahead to implement some sort of RTI program or to say, hey, yeah, you know, I do have a classroom you can use. Or even just giving us a fund, a, a an account that we can use to purchase some occupational therapy supplies with. So an administrator is one person that you should definitely get to know. Whether or not you're an OT or an OTA, it is vital to know your administrators at your school site and then even possibly at more the district level. Going back to OTAs, this month, April OT month, is as much yours as it is mine as an occupational therapist. This is celebrating this month, I should say, is celebrating all of us, not just occupational therapist practitioners, but all OTPs and all of occupational therapy even. If you're an occupational therapist working with an OTA or the other way around, you know how important it is to have a strong relationship, a strong rapport, and a strong understanding of each other's strengths and even maybe the areas that we're not as strong in so that we can support each other, help each other out, and making the best possible outcomes for our students. Occupational therapy and education in general is all about working together. And when an OT and an OTA can work together, it's amazing what can happen. I've had the pleasure of working with a few, I just haven't worked with a lot, but a few great occupational therapy assistants from Evelyn to Jennifer and a few others. And we've just had such a good collaboration that we're able to work together. And you know what? Sometimes you'll challenge each other too. You don't always have to agree on everything, but there needs to be that respect for each other. And you need to be able to speak up and say when you don't agree with something in a way that is actually conducive to supporting the people that we are trying to support, being the students, the teachers, and anyone else that we are on campus to support. So before we move on to letter B, one more time, to all the OTAs out there, the occupational therapy assistants listening right now, I just want to say a huge thank you from all the occupational therapists out there. You make this life a little bit easier for us. You make this life better for all the students that you work with and all the teachers that you bring so much value to. So thank you for being a part of this OT team. And that now brings us to letter B. And for letter B, we are using the back to school conference. No, I'm just kidding. We're not using the back to school conference. We're talking about behavior for letter B. And you know, this is something that over the years, occupational therapists, in my opinion, and occupational therapy practitioners, we've gone back and forth as to whether or not behavior is within our scope. 
And I just want to say that behavior is absolutely within our scope. We have the skills to work on behavior, and we can do it from several different ways. We can see how the behavior is impacting occupation and work on that from a top-down approach. We can also look at it from the other perspective as to what is causing behaviors in almost a bottom-up approach and come from that way. I think that when we do our best work, we see all sides of it and we see the occupation at the end that is maybe not being reached because of some of those lower level skills that that we can work on and we mesh it all together. We are not BCBAs, or at least many of us are not BCBAs. I know some of you do have your BCBA out there, but that doesn't mean that we cannot work on behavior. So the next time that your administrator or your teacher comes to you and says, hey, is this sensory or behavior? Well, you can respond. Maybe, I don't know, I'm not sure yet, but it doesn't matter. Either way, I can support you with it. It's very likely that the sensory is actually impacting the behavior, and I would love to help you out with this. So yes, absolutely, all occupational therapy practitioners can work on behavior as it relates to occupational output. And so if that is something that you can do, by all means, go for it. You can write goals for it, you can provide therapy for it, and you can track data to see if what you're doing is actually working. All right, so that's letter B. We'll keep that one short. And let's move on to letter C. I was conflicted on letter C, but ultimately I want to talk about Common Core. And if you're not in a state that has Common Core, then we'll use the terminology state standards. Every state does have state standards, whether it's Common Core or standards that are specific to your state. Now, this is something we don't talk about very often. We don't kind of ask the teacher, hey, what Common Core state standard are you working on today? No, we don't do that. But we need to be aware of the Common Core state standards. At the end of the day, most of our students are working toward graduating and they are trying to meet the state standards and we need to support them. We are there to support the education, the functional, the academic, the behavioral, the social output for the student when they are at school. And state standards are absolutely a part of that. When possible, you can use collaboration. Hey, there's another C letter for us today. Use collaboration to write a goal that is both academic in nature and relates to Common Core, but also functional. And we provide a little bit of that piece to that goal. That is now a collaborative goal that is more likely to be met because not only is the OT working on it, but also the teachers working on it outside of the 30 minutes a week that the OT sees the student, right? We can't just send students back to the classroom, another C, and, uh, and expect whatever we worked on in the OT room to be carried over into the classroom. It requires collaboration. And by creating goals that revolve around the state standards, Common Core, then you're more likely to get that collaboration on the goal and more likely for it to succeed. All right. So that's letter C. As you can kind of see, these episodes are going to be pretty short. I'm just kind of briefly going over just a little bit of detail about one topic or two sometimes for each letter. And that brings us to letter D. This is determining services. D for determining services. This is the question that I probably get the most frequently on Instagram and a few other places. In fact, we talked about this very topic in the Q&A in episode 95, just the last episode. 
And in episode 95, we mostly talked about determining the number of minutes that you might want to provide to a student. However, there's more to minutes when it comes to the services that you are going to provide. Yes, we do need to determine the frequency and the minutes. So is it going to be once a week or every other week or once a month or twice a week? Whatever it might be, that's our frequency. And then we have our minutes, how long those services are going to be. But there's more than that. We need to determine in what setting. Are we going to see this student in the classroom, in the OT room, out at recess, in the cafeteria, whatever that might look like? And then there's one more aspect to it, and that is, are we going to see the student individually or in a group? Or if you're in the classroom, are you going to do it more in a collaborative method, or are you going to sit next to that student and just work with that student? One other model is also a consultative model, and that's an option as well when it comes to determining services. So there's a lot of variance out there, and there is no one right answer. It all depends on what your goal for the student is and what you feel like you can do and what the evidence that you have learned about will help you and support you in meeting their goal. And just one last point about determining services before we move on to letter E, and that is that when we come to an IEP meeting, we are bringing a recommendation of services to the IEP. We are not bringing the IEP team a ultimatum and say, you know what, it's either this service that I'm recommending or nothing. When we go to these IEPs, everything has the opportunity or the option to be discussed and even debated a little bit. And it's okay to potentially kind of shift your mindset a little bit during the IEP if someone brings up a great point, or maybe you learn something new, or I don't know, any number of reasons could cause you to kind of say, you know what, let me rethink this a little bit. Instead of using a group, maybe we should go with individual services. I think I said last week or in episode 95 of the podcast that there have been times where I've recommended one thing and then I've changed my service a few weeks later because it just wasn't working. And that's why you need to be taking data to see what is working and then adjust from there. All right. So that is letter D, determining services. And we have two more letters for today, E and F. And evaluations, of course, is letter E. I don't know that we could have a better letter E, except for maybe executive functioning, but I may or may not be saving that for letter X because X is a really hard letter. Um, So evaluations, letter E, this is something that you can't be a school-based occupational therapist for very long without having to conduct an evaluation. Evaluations should always be top-down. And in AOTA, in the Occupational Therapy Practice Framework by AOTA, I should say, they require three pieces to an evaluation. And those three pieces are, as you might guess, the first is an occupational profile. First, we need to start with developing an occupational profile, which you can get for free from the OT Schoolhouse website. Just sign up for our newsletter if you haven't already, and I will give you my occupational profile that is specifically designed for school-based occupational therapists. We also need an analysis of occupational performance, and this comes in a variety of ways. Observations can help with that analysis, both in the classroom or outside of the classroom, as can 
assessment tools that are standardized or unstandardized, formal, informal, all of those types of tools can help you to, to, to break down what is going on with the student and what you might be able to uh, support the student in. And that actually leads right into the synthesis of the findings. No evaluation is complete without this synthesis. You must take what you learned from the occupational profile, observing the student and any assessment tools that you use, and then synthesize that to bring all that information together and share how it's relevant, how things fit together, how the puzzle pieces fit together, or maybe what puzzle pieces are missing and, and what can you do to support this student to to create a full puzzle, to use a really, really bad analogy, I think. But anyhow, we need to make sure that for a good occupational therapy evaluation, we need to be conducting an occupational profile, then getting an analysis of occupational performance through observations and assessments, and then synthesizing that all together within our summary to share how we can support the student going forward. All right, and that brings us to our final letter for the day. And for this letter, I don't actually have a word. I have an acronym, which I will spell out for you. And that is FAPE, F-A-P-E. If you have been working in the schools for, I don't know, at least a year or so, you should definitely know this, if not even sooner. The acronym of FAPE stands for Free and Appropriate Public Education, and this is what is required for all students, whether they are in general education or in special education, no matter their disability, no matter their race, no matter where they come from, their status as an immigrant or as a legal resident, doesn't matter. Every student is entitled to a free and appropriate public education. Now, going back to letter D, determining services, when you look at that last page of an IEP or whatever page it is that lists all the services, you will often see that that is the offer of FAPE. And on that offer of FAPE, it will list out exactly what services the student is to receive. And it might say that the student is going to receive 30 minutes a day of occupational therapy, 30 minutes, three times a week of speech and language pathology, maybe two hours of specialized academic instruction or special education instruction per day. And that is a subset of their regular education that they are also a part of. Or if they're in a full day special education classroom, then it might say something like 345 minutes per day of specialized academic instruction. That is the free and appropriate public education. Sometimes accommodations and modifications also might be embedded within that FAPE FAPE page. So all of that is part of the the free and appropriate education for a student with an IEP. If the student doesn't have an IEP, then their free and appropriate public education is considered the general education programming. All right. So that is going to wrap up our six letters to start our ABCs of school-based OT. Just a recap, we started with letter A, describing both the importance of administrators and occupational therapy assistants. Then we talked about letter B for behavior. We talked about C for common core. Oh, and we didn't talk about this one, but on deck for letter C, I had the OT compact, which is allowing us to practice across state borders, which is pretty cool, but we'll save it for another episode. For letter D, we talked about determining services for a student. Letter E, evaluations. And of course, we wrap things up with FAPE for letter F, a free and appropriate public education. 
Thank you so much for tuning in with me today on the OT Schoolhouse podcast to get started with our ABCs of school-based OT. This is April 2022. This is OT month 2022. And I cannot think of a better way to celebrate our wonderful profession than by spending some time with you here on the OT Schoolhouse podcast. And don't forget to tune in next week. Yep, we are not skipping a week this time for letters G through letter M. We have seven next week, and I hope you will tune in for that. It's going to be a good one, all right? I will see you in episode 97. We are getting close to 197 of the OT Schoolhouse podcast. And yeah, I'm just excited to get through the rest of our letters. We've got three more episodes to go to get through every letter of the alphabet. And yeah, it's going to be fun. So I will see you next week on the OT Schoolhouse podcast. Until next time, take care. And don't forget, if you're interested in the Back to School Conference, registration is now open at otschoolhouse.com forward slash conference. I hope to see you there. Take care. Bye. Thank you for listening to the OT Schoolhouse podcast. For more ways to help you and your students succeed right now, head on over to otschoolhouse.com. Until next time, class is dismissed.